is Mark Weber? He's a self-made business executive here to help you find your success. From the New York City projects to the Avenue Montaigne in Paris, his global success story in the luxury world of fashion is inspirational. He's gone from clerk to CEO twice. Mark is classic proof that the American dream is alive and well. Here's your host of Always in Fashion, Mark Weber. This is Mark Weber, and tonight I'm thinking about being dressed up. Kind of sorry I'm not in my suit and tie, but I do think a lot. It's Saturday, beautiful day. I went shopping. I like being out in the stores. I like buying things. In fact, I love the word sale. The word sale has many variants as subject to interpretation. Is everything for sale? Does everything have a price? Are you for sale? Yeah, sale has many connotations. On the one hand, it's a call to action. This item, this car, this house, this shirt is open for commerce. It's for sale. Alternatively, it's on sale. Here's an opportunity to buy something at an advantageous price. It's also a call to action, but it's now buy now, shop now, get this advantage. In life, is everything for sale? Pretty much. Might be a dark point of view, but... Now, this goes hand in hand with what you buy and what you can't. How frustrating is it when you see something you want or think you need and it's out of stock or out of your size? It's for sale, but it's not. Are you for sale? Would you sell your integrity? Every compromise you make is one step closer to the dark side. That's a big deal with me. I like to be able to put my head on the pillow at night and sleep. In business and in life, I'm a Boy Scout. I'm Dudley Do-Right. I believe you never compromise on your integrity. Are your principles up for negotiation? Can you be bought? I trust you understand that if you sell out, you'll never be the same. If you cross that line with your integrity, you give it away piece by piece, will you ever get a good night's sleep again? Will your life Will your respect, will your self-respect ever be the same again? Are you up for sale? Yeah, sale is an interesting choice of words. And then there are salesmen and saleswomen. Some treat their profession as sacrosanct, some not so. The best are usually in real estate from my experience. The worst, if not in reality, are selling used cars. They're the most maligned of all salesmen. Did you know out there, all of you, that Albert Einstein was in heaven? I want to play something for you. So there he is, Albert Einstein, walking through heaven. 
he comes upon a man and says, Hello, I am Albert. What was your IQ down there? The man answers, 220. Einstein asks, Und what was your occupation? The man answers, I was a nuclear scientist. Einstein responds by saying, I know a bit about fusion. Und I invented E equals MC squared. Let's just get together and have dinner sometime. Einstein keeps walking. He comes across a woman and says, Hello there. What was your IQ down below? 200, she responds. Einstein then asks, And what was your occupation? She says that she was a neurosurgeon and psychiatrist. Impressive, says Einstein. Und I know a little bit about the brain. Let's have dinner one night. Einstein continues his stroll and comes across another gentleman and says, Hello, I'm Albert Einstein. What was your IQ down there? The man replies after a moment, 80. Einstein looks down at the man and says, Und how's sales? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's my view of salesmen. I'm sorry, but uh, I do think that's funny. Personally, I never earned $1 selling anything, but I did sell concepts. I did sell the brands I represented, and I did sell me, who I am. I've always had to be a salesman. We're all selling ourselves every day. We want to influence people. That's selling. For sale is an interesting concept. Yes, buying and selling has been around since man has walked the earth. Michael Gould, the former CEO of Bloomingdale, said on this show when I asked him about the future of retail, what do you think? And he said, as early as the ancient Greeks, they went to the market to buy. We must make the market vibrant and interesting. Shopping is an experience. We are a culture, a species who buys, who consumes, that's our life. And the word sale or for sale or on sale is a call to arms. Yes, is this a business show? No question about it. Sale, the word sale is a call to arms. Now, the word fashion is in the title of this show, so I don't think it's a leap to consider a sale. I, like you, am a consumer. I'm fascinated by purchasing. I'm frankly amazed at the level of negotiation that takes place in everyday purchases. And I'm often relieved when I see a price and I know that's the price. I hate haggling. I hate having to count my fingers after I shake hands because the person I'm buying from, I can't trust the word that comes out of their mouth. Frankly, I hate negotiating for things that should have a fixed price. Take new orders. Considering all the incentives and what time of month you're shopping, I don't feel I'm getting the truth. You know how I can tell they're lying to me, these sellers? Their lips are moving. Walk into your favorite department store and ask them if this item is on sale. Do you ever get? Our sale is starting Monday. You can buy it now for the sale price. We'll put it away from you and you can come pick it back up on Monday when the sale begins. What is that? I would guess the joy of buying something you love is often undermined by the practices. That's the ugly part of the word sale. Finagling with the price, dealing with the less than honest. Sale complicates our lives in this regard. Really complicates our lives with choices. That's a whole other thing. I used to have one pair of shoes. I had one navy suit, one watch. Life was easy. Now I'm 
inundated with choices, too much to think about in the morning. Those purchases, those buys, that sale complicated my life. I'm fascinated by the word sale, and I decided tonight to entitle this show For Sale. Now, joining me on the sales trip, my son, co-host, attorney, and seller of Truth, Justice, and the American Way, Jesse Weber. Hey, Jesse. Thank you for that. It's a good introduction, uh, except I've heard of that before. Now, where Impossible. Have heard, where have I heard that one? Truth, Justice, and the American Way. Come on. That's Superman. I, I was impressed with that one for a moment, but you would you try to pass that off as yours? I liked it, and it's fitting. You're Superman to me. You're funny. That's that's plagiarizing. You know that, right? Oh, you're kidding. No, I'm not. The law is pretty interesting on that. Plagiarizing is not necessarily illegal in and of itself, but short copyright and trademark law is. You can't pass something off as your own if it belongs to somebody else. So you mean because I said you're a keeper of truth, justice, and the American way, I'm plagiarizing? Did you come up with that? No. You took it from somebody else? I did. Did you give them credit? You did. I had I did. faith in you. You didn't give them credit. Bottom line, on this show, as the protector, as the legal guy on this show, if you're going to say something, give people credit for it. Okay. Do you got that out of your system? I feel great we about We have a that. show to do. Yeah, all right. Well- Tonight's show is for sale. What do you think about it? I've had some bad sales experiences, really bad sales experiences, and um, one of the best, worst, I don't know, one of the most memorable sales experiences- we're in a store. We're in DKNY. Okay. Now, oh. <laughs> this is great. When you, your picture was always in the back of the store. Okay. And they should know who you are when you come in, obviously. Hey, it was a big shot. Yeah. You come in. I used to be important. Now I'm on the radio. Well, this is a funny story. You, me, and my brother, we walk into the store. The sales managers come up to you. They start talking, whatever. Mr. Weber, great to have you here. Uh, let's tell you about the store. Let's show you all the new products. And you go that. Now, in the front of the store is a sales associate who didn't see any of this. On your way out of the store, you say to him, hey, how's it going? And he looks like he's having the worst day ever. He goes, yeah, it's, it's good. It's okay. And, you, and he said, how are you? And you're like, I'm doing okay. And you, he says, well, hey, it could be worse, man. You could be working here. <laughs> he then not the thing to say not to the, the CEO. thing to say because then the store manager goes bye Mr. Weber and then he looks and realizes what just ha- who you were <laughs> and the manager comes up and tells him and he turned white in the face <laughs> so sometimes you get these interesting sales experiences but Do you have the, anything more recent yeah talking sales I have an interesting story about a reservation at a restaurant can I explain that because that's the same kind of thing bad it's, experience it's sales this is service. a bad experience Go to this restaurant. I make a reservation. I call him up, uh, and I said, "Hi, uh, I'm going to be a party of uh, six. I hear the 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 sigh and the other fine. We have nothing. I said, what, "Excuse me." She goes, "We have no time." I said, "I didn't even tell you the time that I want yet." <laughs> okay, what uh, what do you want? Five o'clock. Oh, yeah, we could do that. All right. Uh, so I tell her a party of six, and she goes, "We don't have a party of six. We don't have six seats." I said, are you sure? I called earlier and they had it. No, no, we don't have it. I said, can you just check with your manager? Checks. Yeah, we could do seven. Like a whole attitude. The whole, I'm doing you a favor. I'm asking to get a reservation. And we got there and it was fine. And I, it was a great restaurant, but it just put a sour mood on the whole thing from, from her experience. The first person that picks up the phone, don't you think they should be nice? I think so. We should have passed. That's all. You didn't think the food was good? Yes, until I saw the bill. 
You're a curmudgeon. You don't like anything. All right, you pay next time. Family it's, goes there. Not sure, me. I will. It's about the experience, okay? You can have dinner anywhere, but it's a good experience, the whole family going out to that. Anyway, yeah. the show tonight is for sale. Let's get back on the topic. What drew you to this topic? Thank you for asking. And you're calling me a curmudgeon? Well, you're ruining my experience. I had a good <laughs> dinner despite the person that was on the phone. Well, let me give you a good experience. I happened to be shopping in a JCPenney the other day. I used to love JCPenney, and, you know, to be perfectly frank, there's some stores I really love, and some are a dog's lunch. I happen to be in a JCPenney store. A dog's lunch. What is that? It's kind of, like, depressing, you know? They're not eating steak. I don't know. You ever see what it looks like? You ever see dog food in 2019? It looks pretty good. Maybe I haven't looked lately. Anyway, this particular JCPenney was depressing to me because it was so downscale. It's not from... Not the store that I remember, nor any of the new stores that that fellow Ron Johnson built. There was a guy named Ron Johnson. He came in from Apple. He was retails. He was Apple's retail head. They had him heralded as a genius. I mean, I don't know whether he was or wasn't, but anybody who works at Apple looks like a genius. However, let's assume he gets credit for it. He came to JCPenney and changed it all up. He stopped building beautiful shops, opened up the aisles so people could walk through. He did everything to make it exciting. The problem was, you ever hear the expression, he fought the war on two fronts? Yeah, is um, multiple things going on. It's a yeah, lot and of, you, it's you, a lot. You, lose, thin. you lose traction and you lose focus. What he did with the stores was brilliant. He made JCPenney look like an exciting department store. The only problem is he decided to take away their pricing and he got destroyed. They lost billions of dollars. He was thrown out of there and he was left as a villain of JCPenney and they're still trying to recover. But I will tell you, the money invested in those shops were beautiful. But I was in a store. It really looked terrible and I was walking around thinking about it. And then I saw a sign that said BOGO. Do you know what BOGO is? Buy one, get one free. No, that's that's the actual deal. You're right. BOGO is buy one, get one. That's a technique for selling, and I start to think about it. And J.C. Penney's BOGO in the store at the time was buy one and get the next one at 40 off. Jesse, what is the discount? It's 50%. Where'd you get that from? I don't know. I think you asked me this question a long time ago. And well, I thought I, you <laughs> might have learned it. Buy one and get one at 40 off. What do you think the discount is? 60%. No. <laughs> All right, let me help you. If you buy one at regular price, let's put that one aside. Right. You're going to get regular price, right? Yes. If you buy the second one, you're getting 40 off. Yes. Right? Now, if you take the regular price... And the you take one at regular price, and you want to take it 40 off, right? Combined, two together, you apply half of the 40 off to the first one and half the 40 off to the second one, and you get 20% off. You yep. follow that? Sure. Do you? I wish we could ask people if they thought that was clear. Well, I'm teaching them something. Buy one, get one. If you buy one at Regular price, you get the next one at 40 off, meaning the two together, you only got 20 off. Right. You do the math in your head. You think about it for a few hours. The point of it was, is everyone is on sale right now. Huge discounts, 30, 40, 50% off. And JCPenney, in this particular store that was depressing to me, it's not my favorite penny store, was only giving 20 off. And I started to think about the concept of sales, and in this case, for sale. Oh, that makes sense. I see where this show came from, even though the complicated math still doesn't make sense. To you, complicated. Where were you when math was being taught? 
Hiding. What did, what did <laughs> you do? On my desk. What did you do with the money I gave you to pay your math tutor? <laughs> my accounting tutor. Oh my goodness. Anyway, that's where the idea of for sale came from. I watched it. I thought about it, and I think it'll make a fascinating subject tonight. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Always in fashion. This is Mark Weber, and you're listening to Always in Fashion. And right now, I'm about to give you. One of my favorite endorsements. I think the best men's shoes out there right now are Aquatalia. I know. I am a men's shoe guy. I care about shoes. Suede is my favorite fabric of all, and Aquatalia has an amazing array of suede shoes and boots. They come in different colors. They look great. Not only that, the leather shoes just have the right styles. Now, I'll tell you what, as I've told you in our show, I'm a very thorough guy. And part of it, I went to Aquatalia's store. And I went and talked to the salespeople. One of the guys in there, I asked him, I said, I've loved those navy blue shoes. And he said outright to me, I wore a version of them last fall, all through the rain, all through the snow, never ruined them. And that's the secret here. Not only are the styles great looking, not only are the shoes exceptional quality that last, you can wear them all the time because they're waterproof, hence the name Aqua Talia. This is a great collection of shoes for men, both in suede and leathers. You can't go wrong, and they're comfortable. Anywhere you go, Aquatalia shoes are going to make you look better. I endorse it wholeheartedly because I know men's shoes. This is Mark Weber saying to you guys out there, buy Aquatalia. Go look for them. You're going to be very happy. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. This is Mark Weber. This is always in fashion, and because the name of the show has fashion in it, I've decided tonight to talk about one of my favorite words, sale. In this case, the show tonight is called For Sale. The word sale is fascinating. It comes at us in many different directions. Are you for sale? Are you buying things on sale? Hey, this is for sale. I like that word, and I like where we're going. And tonight, I want to talk a little bit about retail. I want to talk about the business of retail. And for those of you who are ready to run away from the radio, don't. This is a universal conversation that I think you'll like. There's something to be learned from all of this. Jesse, how are you doing tonight? I like this. Who doesn't like a good show about shopping? <laughs> and sales. It was a great be, song, wasn't it? It's a great song. People might be turning into the show to see if we have any sales for them. Oh, Come to Always in Fashion where you can buy this on sale. Should we no. make uh, Always in Fashion t-shirts? You think so? Maybe we should. Maybe we Would should people t- buy them? Ah, will they buy them? That's no sales. No sales. Full, Only full regular price. price. Regular price. So here, here's the thing. Oh, before I get into it, I want to tell you a story. This week, I had some free time and I went shopping. 
And I, I have to tell you the story because I walked into Saks Fifth Avenue. Those of you who don't know, let me tell you, Saks Fifth Avenue, New York on Fifth Avenue, rebuilt their entire store, cost tens of millions of dollars to do the first and second floor. I walked into Saks Fifth Avenue, the main entrance, and I walked in, and I was greeted by a very lovely, statuesque woman who said, hello, how are you? Welcome to Saks. And I looked at it, I stopped and looked at it, and I thought how pleasant that was. But when I stopped to look at her, I looked past her, and I saw a woman in the first shop on my right. Don't ask me to say the name of the shop because I don't remember. It doesn't matter. But what I saw was she was looking at her phone. And I said to myself, you know, I'm walking in the store. Why is she looking at her phone? I kid you not, I turned left, and another salesperson was looking at her phone. So because I'm an observer and interesting in what goes on in the world, I walk the floor. I promise you, of all the shops on the first floor of Saks Fifth Avenue, 10 of the women were absorbed on their phone, not looking for customers, not doing stock keeping, not doing anything but looking at their phone. And I wondered to myself, with all of retail complaining that they're dying and talking about Amazon, I assure you Amazon operators are not looking at their phone. They're picking up the phone and processing orders. They're dealing with customers. I was shocked by this. Hey, Jess, what do you think about that? If you were a store manager, would you go back to the security cameras and see how many of your uh, sales associates are on their phones in a given period of time? Would you do that? Well, if you're involved in Saks and you happen to be listening to my show tonight, I suggest you do just that. This was 1030 in the morning during the week. I wouldn't say the store was crowded, but I'm walking in. How do you know I'm not going to purchase? Nobody was interested. What a shame. What a shame. And I had to just say that. By the way, I kept walking, and I came up. Uh, I was going uptown, and I went into Ray's Pizza. You ever been Ray's Pizza, Jesse? Original Ray's? Yeah. It's famous. Okay, I walk into Ray's Pizza. There's a woman by the cash register. Nobody else is there. The guys are making pizzas. They're serving. You mean she's the cashier? Um, yeah, and the order taker, I suppose. And yeah. I'm standing there. She's looking at her phone. Mm. <clears throat> looking at her phone. <clears throat> Finally looks up, startled that I'm there. What is she Of course I'm startled. <laughs> you're not looking. You're eating your she phone. Was, I'm standing there. No one's coming to this pizza place for two years. <laughs> no, there were customers there. So I said, I'd like a Diet Coke, a small one. I saw they had all the sizes there. Small Diet Coke. So she gives me the Diet Coke, 272. I said, I don't want to buy the business. I only want a Diet Coke. What do you mean 272? It's tiny. Mm -hmm. 272 without a smile. So she put a cover on it. I gave her the $3. She gave me the change. I walked out of the store, took my sip, and it was regular Coke. So when you talk about retail and what's going on in retail, just remember, you're in control of those doors. You're in control of what takes place within your four walls. I suggest you do your homework and watch what's going on, those of you out there. I think it's fascinating. Back to our show, For Sale. You know what I'm interested in right now? What's that? Outlet retailing. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about outlet retailing. I find outlet retailing fascinating. I was there when outlet retailing began. I was considered, I suppose, one of the foremost experts, although I wasn't a retailer by trade, but I really learned a great deal about outlet retail from a guy who was one of the first proponents and one of the people responsible for making outlet retailing what it is today. There was this kid I grew up with. 
He was younger than me. Sort of looked up to me, you know. We did our first work together. Worked our way out of the street. Things were good. We made the most of it. During Prohibition, we ran molasses into Canada. Made a fortune. Your father, too. As much as anyone, I loved her and trusted her. Later on, he had an idea to build a city out of a desert stopover for GIs on the way to the West Coast. That kid's name was Mo Green. And the city he invented was Las Vegas. This was a great man. Man of vision and guts. And there isn't even a plaque or a signpost or a statue of him in that town. I'm not here to talk to you about Hyman Roth and Godfather Part 2. I'm not here to talk to you about Mo Green. But I will mention there was a fellow named Larry Phillips, the great-great-grandson of the founder of Phillips Van Usen, Van Usen Shirts, our large sponsor. And this man has no plaque, nothing saying to the world he invented outlet retailing. Now, he wasn't necessarily the first, but he got it. He understood what was doing. It was an interesting time in the company. I worked for Van Usen Shirts. A number of things were going on at the same time. Retailers started to consolidate. They became more and more powerful. Macy's bought May Company. Two, at the time, $4 billion retail companies merging into one. We did business with both of them. We played one against the other. We had an advantageous relationship having two to choose from. Dillard's department stores started buying up all the small retailers that were out there. Nordstrom started buying and opening more and more stores. Belk department stores in the southeast started buying up all the regional department stores in their area. And retailers got stronger. And when they got stronger, a number of things happened. First of all, they applied pressure on all the manufacturers, all the brands, to price their goods lower. We had to give them more favorable deals or they wouldn't buy from us. I didn't like it, but I respected it. With Mike comes power, and they were applying that power and pressure on us. But that wasn't enough. They decided that they didn't want to look like their competitors. So if I had a brand and I was selling it to Dillard's in the southeast and Belk Department Stores was there, I couldn't sell. The retailer forced me to make a choice, either sell Dillard's or sell or sell Belk. Nordstrom's would say, hey, if you're in Macy's, great store, but I don't want to compete with Macy's. I'm not going to buy from you if you're in Macy's. But a combination of this consolidation, a combination of these retailers taking their cloud out on us and reducing the ability to sell it or the prices that we want to into them created a lot of disappointment and pressure on our businesses. And what happened? It became clear that we needed new channels of distribution. No and Poof uh, came up with the idea of outlet stores. What actually happened with our company, we were selling seconds. When you're a manufacturer, you manufacture, you get seconds. Not everything is first quality. The problem is you have seconds and you sell them wherever you sell them to all jobbers and discounters, whoever sells off-price seconds, not first quality. You got 
nothing for them. You lost $5 a shirt. The shirt itself might cost $10, but you're losing $5 in the manufacturers. Terrible losses. Larry Phillips had the idea to open a store in Reading, Pennsylvania, which was a former industrial town. Uh, Most of the industries worked, and there was a building selling products to women in the area for their families. And he put in these second shirts, and he charged cost for them. And all of a sudden, they were selling the shirts at cost rather than losing money. And that one event led to raising the prices on the seconds, adding more product to the stores, catering to women who were walking in because they were customers. So put some dresses, put some blouses. That was the beginning of outlet retailing. And it accelerated rapidly. And this fellow, Larry Phillips, said, I want more of these outlet stores. Now, up until that point, he was the great-great-grandson of this company, of the Phillips family. He, have, he never really distinguished himself. He was brilliant. He went to Princeton. He was a really smart guy. And a combination of recognizing outlets and realizing that Wall Street rewarded retailers more than they did manufacturers put him on this track, and boom, we were hell-bent in the outlet stores. And at one point, we had close to 1,500 outlet stores over five different brands. My favorite story of all, with this man, was we went to visit Lou Frankfurt. Do you know who Lou Frankfurt is? Mm, no. Sounds powerful. Sounds like I should know him. Another guy in the fashion industry. He was the one who made Coach Coach. Hmm. He was a worker. He didn't own the company. He eventually became CEO. He was there from the beginning when he was a young man. I remember Larry Phillips taking me and the president of the company go see Lou Frankfurt. Coach was an amazing brand. They were a regular price brand, building up a luxury style of company, one of the first in the United States to ever do that. And we walked and marched off to meet Lou Frankfurt. And Larry's plan was to convince him to open outlet stores. I can't tell you how I was cringing. I mean, it's like going to Louis Vuitton and telling Louis Vuitton, you know, your business isn't right. You need outlet stores. Louis Vuitton would look at this sort of crazy. And Lou Frankfurt looked at Larry and said, what are you, nuts? I have a great brand. I manufacture in the United States. I have no problem getting whatever price I want to charge for my goods. I have loyal customers. I don't want to be in the outlet store business. What are you, nuts? I remember us walking out, but Larry's view was that if you're going to have an outlet center, You need tenants of various different kinds of companies that will draw consumers in who want to come to the center. It wasn't enough that we had Van Usen. It was a great brand. We needed other brands. He tried to convince Lou Frankfurt. I'll never forget leaving myself and my boss laughing at Larry Phillips and and saying, you know, we told you so. Why would Coach come here? But I can tell you, fast forward another 20 years today, Coach has a multi billion dollar outlet store business. It's amazing. I'll tell you what. I was with LVMH for nine years, Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy. And one of the reasons I got the job was when I met them, they were enamored with Ralph Lauren. They were amazed that Ralph Lauren, one of America's premier luxury brands, Who's better than Ralph Lauren? Probably no one. Between Polo and Purple Label, Black Label, Jeans, RL, RXL, everything Ralph Lauren does in building a lifestyle has been incredible. But they were amazed that Ralph Lauren had a multi-billion dollar outlet store business and was still considered a luxury company. 
And the fact that I was from Calvin Klein or one of the brands we owned and that we had a very vibrant outlet store business complementing the rest of the business we sold in the United States and worldwide, they were very interested in me. And I believe that had a great deal to do with why they hired me. Today, fast forward in the outlet business, they're all over the world. In fact, in London, in a village called Bista Village, Prime Retail, one of the biggest outlet store developers here in the United States, built an outlet store that has the largest sales per square foot of any outlet store anywhere in the world, right outside of London in the UK. There are outlet stores in China, in Beijing, and Shanghai. There are outlet stores coast to coast in the United States, from L.A., to Las Vegas, from Las Vegas to New York, to Portland, Maine, Florida, you name it, there are outlet stores there. And why? Because everything there is for sale. I'm going to take a break. When we come back, let's talk about pricing. Always in fashion. This is Mark Weber. This is Always in Fashion. I want to talk to you about comfort. Comfort is so important in the clothes we wear. How do I know? Because I spent a lot of years working at Van Usen with their engineers, with their great people, with their entrepreneur thinking about making clothes that not only look good, but make you feel good. And Van Usen introduced a series called the Flex Collection. It started in dress shirts where they put this special flex technique in the collar. So as you button your collar and you put your tie on, the collar moves with you. You're never uncomfortable. It's never pulling. It's never making you feel that you wore a shirt that's too short, too small, too anything. It's comfortable, and that's great. Van Dusen went forward and started introducing this revolutionary thinking and technology into a whole range of other products, including sports shirts, polos, fleece zip-ups, sweaters, and pants. They all give you that 360 special fabric that allows you to move and stretches with you. We're talking about innovative technology that no one has thought of before. The Van Usen Flex Collection is designed to make you look good but make you even feel better while you're wearing it. No more uncomfortable clothes. You can say thank you, and I'll say you're welcome. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. She got a lot of Prada, that Dolce and Cabana. I can't forget Estrada and that Balenciaga. I'm sipping purple syrup. Come be my ancient mama. And if you is a rider, we go shopping like manana. Her attitude, Rihanna. She get it from her mama. She jiggy like Madonna, but she trippy like Nirvana. Cause everything designer. Her jeans is helmet lane. Shoes is Alexander Wang. And her shirt the newest Donna. Karen, wearing all the Cartier frames. John Paul Gaultier's cause they match with her persona. This is Mark Weber, and welcome to Always in Fashion. You know, it's uh, summer. It's becoming summer and spring, which is really Christmas in retail. Well, in reality, summer and Christmas are the two seasons where you do a lot of business in retailing. Pretty much because you're shopping. Hey, we pray for rain in the retail business in the summer and springtime because when it rains or you're on vacation, what are you going to do? You can't sit outside. So one of the things that activities that come to play is shopping and business is amazing. We're also thinking about how to make money and how do we make money is the theme of tonight's show for sale. And the one thing we want to talk about right now is sale pricing. I find the price when you run sales is fascinating. There are a number of ways to do it. I taught you about BOGO before. 
Black knew that one. Buy one, get one. Okay, so now I have a question for you. All right? Yeah. I don't <laughs> Those like of you that. who were listening before, let's see what happened. Uh, if you buy one and get one free, what's the discount? 50%. Yay! Jesse paid attention. Those of you who weren't uh, thinking. Yes. Hey, hey, I'm very happy about that. Anyway, I'm talking about outlet stores, and uh, I think it's fascinating what takes place in outlet stores. I, I like that you're talking about this because every vacation you dragged us to outlet centers. Dragged you? Barstow, California, Prim, Nevada. I mean, I was a young kid. I <laughs> wanted to go you? out. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> listen, look, when you drive from LA to Las Vegas, a detour to, to Barstow, it's not exactly what I was expecting. <laughs> And when you have the rush of Las Vegas, and then you go 49 minutes out of the way, and you pull us into Prim Nevada Center, which is basically like in the middle of nowhere, not my idea of where I want to spend my time on vacation. It was my job. It was my vacation. Oh, you never bored anything at these outlets? That is a completely different story. Look, I got tons of great stuff. So why aren't you talking about that? Look, that goes without saying. It's interesting. You see so many great things at great prices. Uh, and it's stuff that you're not necessarily looking for. So I got great things. I liked it. I, I'm all for outlet centers. I would have just rather been out in the sun doing something else. Oh, leave me alone. Let me ask you a question. This is where we're talking tonight. The show is called For Sale. Let's talk about pricing. Okay. In outlet arenas, those of you out there, anybody shops in outlet stores, the regular price in outlet stores is at least 30% off. Usually 40, sometimes 50%. You see sales even bigger than that. But when you call it sales, let's remember right away. If you have a regular price store in the world, if you're Polo and your Polo shirt is $85 in Macy's and Bloomingdale's in an outlet center, it's at least 30 to 40% off to start. Jesse, I'm not going to ask you what retail price is that. I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank goodness. (laughs) But I want to understand... The following. When you go into these stores, let's talk legally. When you go yeah. into these stores, there are many ways that people want to shop. I can tell you with fact that I've done a tremendous amount of research on pricing to consumers. So first of all, let me, let me say the following. One, regular price is regular price. Very simple. Two, there are some people, there are some people that actually prefer take an additional 25% off. They want to do the math. It's part of the shopping experience to do the math. Some can do it in their head. Some stand there with calculators. They want to do the math versus other people who prefer just give me the price, twenty four ninety nine. You have a point of view which one you like? You know me. I don't want to do math. If it's cheap, it's cheap. <laughs> I'm going to get it. Well, okay. But science says that people like it both ways. We talked about BOGO. We talked about... A lot of things. But one of the phenomena that taking place, well, before I go there, how important is it to have a price that's clear and succinct? Who's looking out for us with that? If you are a retailer, you have to make it incredibly clear what that price is. You cannot deceive consumers or mislead them in any way. So, for instance, okay, there is a lot of product that, for want of a better reference, is only found in the given store. Call it private label. Mm-hmm. You go into Nordstrom's, you'll find Jay Nordstrom. If I re- John Nordstrom is a product that's only available in Nordstrom. You'll find, uh, let me think, Alfani in Macy's, and on and on and on. And they have prices on their product, and they have sales against those prices. So 
Inc. or Alfani, they may have a $50 shirt, 50% off, $24.99. If it's only available in Macy's and they set the price and have a legitimate sale against that price, is that legal? As long as it was sold for a regular price for a period of time in the regular course of business, yes, that's legal. So even though it's their label and it's only found somewhere else, that's a legitimate sale. Now, when you go into these outlet stores, there's a lot of what they call MOF, made for outlet. Uh Uh-huh product that's only available in those outlet stores. You can find it from Tommy Hilfiger, Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, all the designers, all the brands. These particular products are only found in that store. And very often you see the pricing. And as I said, when we began this, it's immediately 30 or 40% off the regular price. And in these centers, it's never at regular price. And they refer to it as comp. Yes. What is the rules with that? Consumers have to be made aware of which products are specifically created and sold for outlet centers. Because what a lot of companies get into trouble for is items are sold at a discount or a sale price. They believe those items were originally sold at a retail store location. When in reality, they never were or they were never sold at that price. People think they're getting a bargain when there's really no bargain. So if you're selling items at an outlet center... Well, you said that it doesn't have a value. So let's talk about that. No, 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 no. That's different. That's different. Okay. A lot of times in these, they can't call something a uh, a reference price, an original price, a manufacturer's suggested price, if it's not true. If you set a retail price, does it have to have some criteria when it's made for only... You have to tell consumers where, that whatever price was cut off. So if something was, I don't know, $50, and then they're saying, oh, no, it's only $25, where did that $50 price originally come from? What where? does it mean? So a lot of retailers get in trouble because they're making it seem, based upon their labels, that was $50 that was originally sold at a retail location. When in reality, it never was, or that product was never sold in a retail location. What's happening a lot of times in these uh, settlements they have to change that $50 to say, this is the value. This is the value now. It's not a comparative yeah, value. They have to change what the, what the uh, terminology is. Because if you're deceiving people into thinking they're getting a bargain or a discount, that's where the problem comes. Well, that's what you said before I wanted to. You're assuming there isn't value. You know, a good outlet retailer makes quality products. No, 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 no. I'm and because there's, there's no middleman, it's a vertical company, they can actually make a shirt, let's say, sure. that is worth every bit of $50. But it doesn't exist there anywhere else. That's fine. I'm not saying something doesn't have value. But if I'm that consumer, I want to know that that product has a value, but it was made specifically and sold for outlet stores. It was never in anywhere else. So how do I prove that that to you? First thing, let's say you have a a chambray shirt. Love those. Kind of like a jean shirt, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. If You have to understand the marketplace of the price that shirt is usually sold for. So if you're looking at different competitors and you could say generally it's sold for around $50, it might be sold for 60 here, 80 there, but $50, that becomes the standardized price in the market for that item, okay? That's the first part that you have to understand. The next part is how you label that shirt at the outlet center, at the outlet store. If you can't cr- say you can't label it in a way that would deceive a customer into believing that it's a discount off of an original price. So some of the things that retailers have been doing when they've been settling these class action lawsuits has been changing the original price to something called a value price or value, what the value of it is. So if it's $50, the marketplace says this shirt's $50, but you're selling it in the outlet store for $25. Now people are understanding. So the government's looking out for us. 
Absolutely. So we you think this constantly. is a good thing? I think it's a great thing. Would you like to know? Let's say you're buying a sports jacket, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and an outlet center. Oh, my gosh. Look at this beautiful sports jacket. And Oh, it was originally $300, but I'm getting it now for 150 Oh, wow. What a, what a great deal. You buy it. You get it. You take it home. You realize, wait, wait. You realize, oh, this store wasn't, this jacket wasn't originally sold for $300. It was just made for the outlet center for what this cheap price. Well, I happen to be one of those consumers that will see that sport coat and say, I like it. Oh, it's only $100. I think it's worth it. I don't care what it's sold for anyone else. But I guess a lot of people are drawing a comparison and saying, what a great deal I'm getting. And that's the secret of outlet retailing. People like deals. People like bargains. That's what they go there for. The sale. Exactly. I find this fascinating. I hope you do out there. If you're paying attention, you just learned a lot about pricing. We'll continue in a moment when we come back with For Sale tonight on Always in Fashion. Always in Fashion. DKNY, you want to talk about a brand that is powerful? Why is a brand powerful? I'll tell you why. Because of its history. DKNY menswear has been out there for over 30 years. It's one of the best, most innovative fashion brands, modern brands representing the city of New York. The colors have always been sophisticated to make guys look like they understand fashion and they look great in the clothes. His shirts, ties, suits, everything really looks like New York City. The entire collection of DKNY includes a broad range of categories, including sportswear, tailored clothing, dress shirts, neckwear, and shoes. All DKNY menswear lives under one roof exclusively at Macy's and Macy's.com. I tell you, folks, when I'm on my way to do this show, Always in Fashion, your host here, Mark Weber, never fails to stop in the DKNY boutique at Macy's on 34th Street. I also shop them in my home area in Long Island. They always look good. I always know when I want to go out at night, I can put on DKNY and I'm going to look incredible. And I just tell you this, not because it's my brand, not because they're my advertisers, because I wear it. You know I was at the company. They are an outstanding, outstanding team of designers who bring the New York City look to the world. Nothing's more modern and contemporary than DKNY. You want to look amazing? Get those very special, solution-driven pieces for the moments when real life and style interact. DKNY, I promise you. You're going to look spectacular. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. Mark Weber, Saturday and Sunday nights on the radio with you. Tonight we're talking about two of my favorite words, for sale. Interesting topic when you think about it. We're all consumers. We're all interested in buying. And sale comes into play in so many different ways. The question I have right now is when you put your products on sale, Are you losing value as a brand? If you give away your products at lower prices, are you losing value? Mercedes-Benz changed the whole company completely and grew like crazy. 
they didn't put their products on sale all the time. They just gave a better and lower everyday price to appeal to a lot of people. They protected their brand. My friends at Louis Vuitton never put product on sale. Never. All they want to do is create product that will last the test of time, that will have intrinsic value for you, not just what you like, but you know when you bought that luxury product, it stayed with you and has value forever. And then people are spending money on off-price. There are so much growth taking place in TJ Maxx, Ross Stores, Burlington, Costco. People want to purchase there. When you put your products in those stores, are you hurting yourself? Fascinating. What do you think, Jesse? When you see things on sale, what does it tell you about a product? That it didn't sell so well, first of all, that it's first time around. Does that mean it's not a good item or you just... Uh... If I like it, then it just means people didn't have good taste. And do you think perhaps that if you find something on sale, it has lesser value as a brand? Does it sour you? No, I care more about the brand than I do what it's sold for. And I happen to agree with you. We are a, a consuming country where people at all ends of the financial spectrum, what one person's value is might not be another person. Go back to Mercedes. Someone could buy a $100,000 Mercedes and say it's a great value. Someone could buy a $30,000 Mercedes and say it's value. I suppose value is in the eyes of the beholder. I started shopping at Target for a while, buying their V-neck sweaters, buying their polo shirts. They were relatively inexpensive. The V-neck sweaters were $19.99, the polo shirts $14.99. And I thought I was getting incredible value. Why? The quality was amazing. The quality on those sweaters and that polo shirt were as good as anything I ever bought anywhere else with a designer label. But the biggest subject is, I think we just discussed, Jesse and I, you could put your products on sale and still keep the integrity of the brand. I uh, had a great meeting one time. They named a new chairman of TJ Maxx. I happened to go to Harvard Business School with him for a week. At the end of the week, he asked to come see me. I was the president at the time of one of the companies. And he asked to come see me with his team, and he wanted to talk to me because we had brands that he would love to have in TJ Maxx. I'll never forget this. Showed up at our office a couple of weeks later. We set it up. And he introduced himself. He said that their growth is going to be extraordinary. They believe their plan is going to get them to a $50 billion company. And they believe they had a formula that would work. And he looked at me and said, Mark, I hope you have the greatest merchants in the world. I hope you are careful not to generate surplus or to make mistakes in your merchandising assortment. Because we are killers. And if you have too much inventory and you make too many mistakes, I'm going to own you because I'm going to buy it whatever price I want to pay for it. So I wish you good luck in the people you hire. Fascinating, right? Yeah. Well, that's the important part of a brand. You have the ability to be on sale. And if you listen to Jesse or listen to me, you're not destroying your brand by putting it on sale. Me, I like regular price and I respect it. I'd rather buy a Vuitton handbag. I'd rather buy a Calvin Klein shirt. I'd rather buy a Ralph Lauren polo at regular price, knowing that's the price. 
Other people want to buy on sale. Other people want to get to the lowest price. We all shop on different places, in different places. Some want to shop in Mark. Some of us want to shop on Park Avenue. Some of us want to shop on Madison or Soho. And some of us want to shop in TJ Maxx. That's all okay. It's all a question of value. And it's all a question of how you protect your brand. Because when you're not on sale or when you're not for sale, the theme of tonight, someone should be thinking about making sure the integrity and quality of that brand is never, ever compromised. That's what creates the long-term value. We'll be back in a minute. Always in fashion. This is Mark Weber. This is Always in Fashion and my favorite shoe brand, Aquatalia. Aquatalia is a very interesting shoe brand. Made in Italy. That's where the Talia comes from. And Aqua, they're waterproof. This is a collection of men's and women's shoes that are not only contemporary and styled brilliantly, but they're also waterproof. So you guys and gals, you don't have to change your shoes in inclement weather. And I should tell you how comfortable they are. Not only are they fashion style right, but they're comfortable. You can wear them wherever you go. Aquatalia designs are contemporary, yet there's a classic feel to them. They're easy to wear. They're elegant, yet they're for every day. High quality and low maintenance. The true foundation of timeless wardrobe. Something you could wear every day and not worry about it. Aquatalia is footwear that is made for discerning men and women who make bold moves and want to look their best without sacrificing fashion or comfort. You should explore the latest collection of Aquatalia.com. Aquatalia has amazing styles, beautiful fabrics, beautiful silhouettes. You should really look for them. You can find and explore Aquatalia's latest collection at Aquatalia.com or visit the flagship store at 965 Madison Avenue in Manhattan. Aquatalia, A-Q-U-A-T-A-L-I-A. Wherever the weather goes, they will take you. Made in Italy and waterproof, the best combination. Welcome back to Always in Fashion. Here's your host, Mark Weber. This is Mark Weber, and tonight we're discussing for sale. I want to get serious for a minute. We talked about sale and how it applies to pricing, how it applies to our lives, but I haven't talked to you. For sale has been our theme tonight. But what's more important than you? Are you for sale? I hope not. All you have is your integrity. That is what you own. It should never be for sale. Sell a little piece and you're giving it all away. People respect rules. They don't like them, but they understand boundaries. There's no boundary for your integrity. The horizon is limitless. Your integrity, like your company name, like your brands, is yours. It's your identity. Your integrity is not for sale.
Thank you for joining Mark Weber and always in fashion. See you next week.